Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, and I'm back with Sass. If you listen to our podcast, you can find them at silverbertranch.org, or you can be listening on the radio while this is uh, being uh, discussed. Uh, but we do record this ahead of time, so we don't even know what is going on in the world by the time you listen to this. Yeah. And everything could be different because things seem to change very quickly. Uh, I do know that the only thing that doesn't change is God. And he's the one that you have to put your trust in. The last program, we were talking with Sass. He was a young man that was adopted out of Russia, uh, well, through Georgia, through uh, England, through uh, then he went out to the West Coast, and he ended up in Wisconsin. And we're glad that he ended up in Wisconsin. We like him here. So hopefully God will use him greatly in the future as he is uh, one who is studying uh, what truth is and trying to figure out how to live in the context of truth when you've lived as a, a fatherless, motherless child, you've lived as somebody who only felt used and not needed, mm-hmm. you've lived feeling not wanted, and hopefully those believers around you will help change that where they can help you understand that you are wanted by God. You, you will never be needed by God, so don't try and make yourself needed. You're wanted by him. Mm-hmm. He understood your need, and he sent his son to make sure he could adopt you. And uh, likewise, we that are believers need to continually work in the lives of those who have been scarred through all the different things. If anybody's listening and says, no, my life has no scars in it, no, you're wrong, it mm-hmm. does. It's all different. And if you've listened to the last podcast, and I would encourage if you didn't, go back and listen to that one before you do this one to put it in context. We were quoting a guy that was a, a real, a brilliant Russian thinker, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who Sass said when he was younger, thought that this guy was an enemy of the state, and that's the way he was portrayed over there. But if you read his stuff, you'll realize the only reason he was an enemy of the state was because he loved God. Yeah. And, and, and you're in a state that doesn't love God. And I think in the United States, Sass, I feel almost the same way. It's like, I love God, and I think those who do abortions, those who who live as they shouldn't, are evil and wrong. And, mm-hmm. and of course, the government tries to quiet me, too. So yeah. uh, I'm, I might be not known as somebody who's wanted in our country for my thoughts either. The difference still is I still have a tremendous freedom of speech in this country, especially if you're in northern Wisconsin like we are. We are, we are people who have freedom of speech. We act like it. And we do enjoy the fact that we can talk about mm-hmm. things and not argue and beat each other up in the process. But I want to, you asked about a quote last time that I used in class where Alexander Solzhenitsyn, he kind of summarized the problem in the world, Mm -hmm. not just Russia, but everywhere. And he said this, if I were asked today to formulate concisely as possible, what was the main cause of the ruinous revolution that swallowed up some 60 million of our people? I could not put it more accurately than to repeat Men had forgotten God. That is why all this has happened. And I would agree with him totally. And so would I. And, and that's the deal right mm-hmm. there. So if you're a politician and you're listening to us today, if you're forgetting God, you're ruining lives. Mm-hmm. Because God alone tells us what life is supposed to be about. And anybody can come to God. Anybody. They can come and they can admit their sin. And as they, as they understand that that sin separates them from God, they are positioning themselves to be in God's family. Before you could be adopted, uh, Sas, 
you had to understand that you didn't have anywhere to go. Mm -hmm. And and in a way, you're going, wow, I have nowhere to go. These people want me. Boy, they're, that's good. Mm -hmm. If they'll take me, I'll go. Yeah. Because nobody wants me anyway. Yeah. yeah. Well, people come to God the same way, realizing, you know what, God, you don't need me. And God goes, you're exactly right, I don't. But I want you. Do you want to be in my family? And not only that, I will not hurt you. I will not abuse you. I will not do anything that shouldn't happen to you. Why don't you come into my family and start learning what life is supposed to be like mm -hmm. rather than living in a way that is totally against what I have taught in Scripture? And Sas, you're in a perfect position now in life to, to live in a way that's transformative, that shows that you know the truth. My own dad was that way. His dad was an alcoholic who beat him on a regular basis. And he ended up being a guy who loved God, loved his family, was a great dad. He started ministry after ministry because of all the kids from the inner cities that he, I mean, that was his life when he grew up. And, and so many things. He was in on the start of Awana, started, you know, two camps. He, he pastored two different churches. He was a guy who was constantly doing things. And now both of his sons are teachers in ministry. And one's a pastor and I'm the other one. And, and we're out teaching. And God's graciousness to him is abundant and that he had no background. Mm -hmm. He only got abused as a child and, and from the alcoholic father and non-believing mom. And eventually he was able to lead his, his sisters to Christ. One of them went to another country down in Mexico and translated the Bible down there. We even have a student from that region here mm -hmm. uh, this year um, in our NBI program. And I look at this going, God, your graciousness is, is so incredible as I look backwards and see all the scars that could have controlled them but didn't. And there's, <clears throat> and so regarding that, you know, it's interesting how, you know, when you are a pastor's kid and, you know, when you, when, when you have a major thing happen in your life where you're paralyzed for about six months. Sure. Um, and it was actually funny. It was, um, I was a WANA teacher in at Yakota Air Force Base. Okay. And so because of that, I was able to minister to the kids, but, um, I went paralyzed on October second at eight thirty p.m. I remember broadly. It was at AO. It was at um, AOC Church, Assembly of God Church. Or sure. Something. Yeah. And so because of that, it scared. Like it didn't scare the daylights out of me. I'm like, oh boy, this is a major hurdle. And the funny part was, just because before you know, I got comfortable, you know, overseas. You know, I'm like, I got adapted, and so like, okay. You know, it says, you know, my walk with God is okay. You know, it's, it's going great. It's like, you know, all the hurdles got out. So, like, basic training, that scared the daylights out of me. My faith strengthened during that time. And so now, tech school, I failed tech school. And so because of that, my time during that time was, okay, I had to rely on God again. So it seemed like during my time, you know, when I started getting like in a comfortable position, saying, oh, okay, so you think you're comfortable. Well, let me throw you this curveball. And this curveball was being paralyzed for six months. And now that, but about less than a month, I went from 210, which was built, to 129. Right. And and the sad part was that I was deteriorating in front of the doctors and in front of my parents' son's eyes. And when you see, when you have your dad coming in, uh, when you get shipped over, not shipped over, but when you fly back to San Antonio at Brook Army Medical Center and your dad comes in and he just, just falls in tears, that's when you know that you pretty much are on death's door. And matter of fact, the doctor said whatever I had should have killed me, actually. Yeah. Um, and it was by the grace of God that I was healed because they didn't know what was caused at the at the beginning part. They didn't know what caused the massive, uh, could, the, not the, the massive event happening. Sure. And so because of that, all I had was God. 
you know and so the best part i have to say during my time experience in japan being paralyzed is when i would turn on the iphone and think thank goodness the technology you know sure. they have some good good they have some good uses but i was able to turn on the japanese bible and when a nurse came in and she said psalms 20 psalms 45 i'm like i have no idea what you just i don't know what it's saying but I mean, that's how cool is that? That I was able to minister sure. uh, a nurse and doctors. Now you threw us a curveball. How did you get to Japan? Oh. I, I understand how you got to the United States and even yeah. Wisconsin, but now you're in Japan. I totally don't know this one. Oh, okay. So how I got to Japan was um, after I graduated high school, I joined the United States Air Force. And that was... And that Air Force, it was after led by a stupid decision where, I'm, you know, you turned 18 and, you, you know, when you right. think, well, I'm like, oh, I can do anything I want. You know, I'm an sure. adult. So I joined the Army Reserve's DEP program, which is Delayed Entry Program. Okay. And when I said, when I threw my pamphlet on my parents' bed, you know, I'm like, surprise. You know, I just the tears and just the disappointment I saw in my parents' face that shook me to my core. And I knew I made a, I made a stupid decision. And I knew I had to live with that consequence. Sure. Um, and it was a decision that was not led by prayer. It was a decision that led by, oh, I think I, I'm better than you. I don't need to take your advice. I was right. really mistakenly wrong by that. And so after some time, I was discharged. I, I think in uh, following in 2017, I was discharged because I said, okay, sure. get me out of here. So <clears throat> soon afterwards, I went and joined the Air Force. And then I went uh, and then I got duties to go, I got orders, and the funniest part is I put mine at North Dakota, a base in the middle of nowhere in America, and most of the time the Air Force says, oh, you want to go mine it? Why would you want to go there? Well, we're going to send you there. I put all in-state bases, and out of out of the hat, I get Japan, Yokota, <laughs> Tokyo, Japan, and I didn't ask for Tokyo, there you Japan. Go. And so because of that, that's how I ended up in Japan, and boy, you want to talk about you want to talk about people that are hungering for faith. We went to a house of prayer where the faith in there, there's so many religions in Japan that people are thirsty for God. And they are going to, um, my best part was I was at a Bible study off base and it was at a house at somebody like your house that sure. we went to. And it was packed full of families asking for God. And it was underground church. It was considered an underground church because the, the big religion there is uh, Hinduism and Buddhism. Okay. And they go after Christians even that in Tokyo, sure. Japan. And, and not just Tokyo, but across Japan, all across. Yeah. Um, because they're supposed to be. I wouldn't know that. I'll have to take your word for it. So. Well, I didn't know that either until uh, the pastor himself was Japanese and he told me, like, we, do, we get in big trouble by the government if people find out this is a house of prayer. Okay. And so that's why I, that's when I had focused on saying, oh, this is a house of prayer, like prayer, a house of prayer, which is your regular house. That's when I first realized I thought house of prayer was like a church or like a church yeah. built. No, it was just your average house open up to the community. Okay. So it was interesting going there. And my faith was a little bit, you know, when I got settled in, I was like, okay, you know, I felt like I could do anything. You know, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to be involved in the church. And my whole thing is when you're in the military and when you are in a, in a not a vulnerable state, but this is why I notice as Christians is that when they think, okay, I'm not invisible, but I know that God's got my side. The moment you know that and the moment you're like, oh, okay, well, it's okay to teeter-totter. Like I actually made a podcast on my uh, Facebook feed yesterday on my video podcast. I made, I made a reference saying that the moment you look back is a moment where sin is going to enter in. And it's a moment that you trip over something. And it's a moment that I look back and say, okay, well, because I have God, I can look back and things are all good. But 
I didn't look saying, oh, wait, because of my prideful and arrogance and knowing that, okay, God has has got me and stuff. I wasn't looking out with uh, a stick that was in the middle of the road that I stumbled and fell. And that stumbling and that fall was that, oh, well, just because I'm God, I think I know I'm better than everybody else. Sure. I was mistakenly wrong on that. Yeah, God had to teach you that you're still an orphan. Oh, it was. You're, you're, you're in his yes. family. And yep. it was, and the sad part was when I was in the hospital, you know, and it took me that it took over six months to realize that I needed, like, I like sure. I needed some help. I needed it. And that's during that six months where I couldn't walk. I couldn't do your normal, basic human stuff. Yeah. So I was dependent on other people. And it was just like the orphanage thing, yeah. you know? Well, you know, as I talk to you, I'm, I'm amazed. You can remember dates. You can remember things that, frankly, I would never remember. I would have to take your word for it. Now, it's either my age or the fact that I'm not smart or something. I'm not sure what it is. Oh, I think it's because it's uh, but, your age. But, and the bottom line really is, I think God's gifted you in a certain way. You've got a certain amount of energy. He's certainly protected you. You're still here. Uh, there are many reasons why possibly you shouldn't be here, <laughs> uh, but you're here. And for some reason, he has put you on a path where you can know him and you can know the truth. And I think, why not be the next Solzhenitsyn? I mean, why not be the next Russian guy who can think well and writes in a way where people actually get it or mm-hmm. speak or whatever it might be? Uh, I want to turn our focus a little bit to what you're thinking now. And again, I, I want our listeners to know I'm, I'm asking a boy that was in a Russian orphanage who was taken out of there, who has relatives still in Russia. Mm-hmm. I'm asking you, what, what, what are your thoughts uh, we don't know, by the way, when you're listening to this podcast, we have no idea what state the war is in over mm-hmm. there. I, I know that Russia is saying it's not a war, it's an exercise or whatever they're saying. At least that's what it's reported. I have no idea what's actually being re- said or not said. Uh, but the bottom line is you have to have some feelings of what's going on now and what are your thoughts at this point, just looking at everything that's going on. So if we so if we may piggyback off, this is the same thing where, you know, I thought I was comfortable at Silver Trench. You know, I've been back now, and I'm like, okay, you know, my faith is strong. I don't need, like, I'm good. You know, Silver Trench is doing a fantastic thing. And it was funny because on Wednesday, uh, it was on Monday, I prayed on Monday. I'm like, God, give me something. And I spoke with this, R, actually, R, R, RN, not okay. RN, RA. Sorry right, about that. Um, and I said, you know, I feel like, and it was a week before, I'm like, you know, I feel like my faith is starting to become stagnant. You know, I'm like, I'm going through the courses, you know, I'm sitting through class, but I feel like my faith is not strong enough. You know, I feel like I'm eager and I'm waiting to grow my faith. Well, that shook me to my core on Wednesday at 11.24 p.m. in 2020 in February. Um, fe- yeah, February 23rd. That shook me beyond my core when Russia officially declared war on Ukraine. And right there in that, I just... I broke into tears, and I'm like, I just can't believe this happened. This is all reliving what Georgia, the country, and what Russia sure. is at this moment. And I was devastated Yeah. because, you know, how, you know, we have inside reports and, I, you know, my sources, you know, where they're actually in the ground and right there. And then to know that, and my whole thing is when it was odd how Russia declared war. You know, you have all these tension building up. I want to know what caused it. And so I reached out to my source, and he said that plane, apparently a, Ru- a Ukrainian missile fired, miscalculated, and hit a Russian cargo plane. And it shot down the Russian cargo plane in a Russian airway in about two, two miles outside of Belgrade, uh, Russia. And that's what provoked the whole thing, and that's when Putin declared war. Yeah. 
and the man and again that's what you were told from people on the ground yes that were actually okay so i'm not verifying anything right now i'm just saying that's what you were told from people on the ground and the photos that were sent yeah you already know i have a hard time believing anything that comes anywhere (laughs) yeah uh, because i'm not sure what's true but this is what you've understood and uh that's fine i i'm asking you your feelings so this is good and so even and even then i'm like I'm like, so he sent me photos and stuff, and I, he, they sent, I'm getting raw footages and stuff, and I'm like, man, and for me, like, you know, um, like others, I right. have to have another backup of a source. Right. Well, it's a lot harder to find when you go on these main media sources, you know, in America. Impossible, maybe? Impossible, yeah. yeah. Um, the only thing that they probably can uh, all agree on is Santa real or not. You right. Know? <laughs> but when it comes to, like, Russia and stuff, you have to go to alternative. And my whole thing is I'm like, you know what? I want to go to the sources that are there. Like Fox News is not there. CNN isn't there personally. They sent correspondence, but they're actually on the ground. No, because I watched, when I went back home from my doctor's appointment on Wednesday last week, I watched a little bit about it. And boy, they they skewed things out like there was no tomorrow. You know, they said that, oh, Russia did this, Russia did that. And they miscalculated where 5,000 people during that, during the two days I was there, over 5,000 Russian soldiers died. Right. You know, and that's the thing that frustrates me. It's like, why is... Now, Russia still, though, uh, reporting that 500 only have died. 5,000, according to Sputnik. I know, but Russia, from their official word, has, yes, I read it this morning, is 490-some have died. Well, see, and that's a difference. Is that, like, when they said that 5,000, and I think... I sent the article to you and I think yeah. I sent to all the people where I'm like, see, that's where that, see, that's where my whole thing is a little bit confusing where like, that's where that info war or that you can say that information Absolutely. war is going on because I'm saying that I'm thinking that 5,000 people died. You're thinking that 499 I don't know people. how many, honestly, no, I'm, no, not, no, I'm not thinking anything. No. Really? I'm thinking, you know, there's bombs flying and here's, here's my total thoughts as somebody who's not Russian or Ukrainian. I'm, I'm in Northern Wisconsin. So no idea what's going on over there. But I know that there's innocent people involved. That's what I know on both sides of the border. There's innocent people everywhere involved in conflict. And it breaks my heart. And one thing that I've been adamant about, and, you know, apparently, so one thing uh, I've been adamant about it is like from the first day, you know, I said, you know, and, you know, Facebook and all right. Twitter, they say that pray for Ukraine. And that's what America has done is pray for Ukraine, pray for Ukraine, you know, do all these things. Well, the problem I have now to me, and even you see that, so, you know, not so for tranche, but yeah, you see that even here when people say, well, we got to pray for Ukraine. Well, you and I both agree. Well, it's not just Ukraine. It's both sides. Right. You know, it's the, it's the sinful leaders that need to find God right. because they're without God. And it's not just Ukrainian citizens are getting killed. It's, and not only getting killed, but their lives are being changed forever. It's also Russian citizens. Like, and Russian soldiers who are, and, uh, and you know, it's interesting here. And this is what I think I really want our listeners to understand, is that we are in a position here in the United States of America where we can't see exactly what's going on anywhere. It, it is tragic that the Ukraine is being bombed, and I think you would agree with that in any way, shape, or form for the innocent people. Yes. And it's tragic that, that young soldiers are sent into a conflict and dying. Mm-hmm. It's tragic that the world leaders are causing these people to do their dirty work for their, this is what's tragic. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to pray that God protect the innocent and, and wherever they are. You know, I mean, 
we talked about that. What would your thoughts be? I mean, you are an eight-year-old in the middle of a conflict like that already. What if you were eight years old now in Russia? What would you be thinking anyway? Well, for me, <clears throat> during that time, I'm like, okay, is this going to be my, I don't know if this going to be my last day or not. Right. You know, and because first of all, we had food rationing. Right. And so we had a half a loaf of bread and a pail of water. Right. And so I remember, because I wasn't enough, so I remember that, I remember eating garbage. Right. And one distinct piece of garbage I remember was eating wolf meat that had fur on it. Yeah. And that's something that, that kind of a tang does not get out of your mouth. Right. And it's something that you remember very clearly because they're like, I this is what, this is how undignified I, I have gotten, begotten. I am eating an animal that just, that's how we become. Like, you know, that's yeah. how wars become. My heart goes out to people in there, in that kind of situation that are literally eating garbage. Yeah. And one thing that I found out was that how is it that people in Russia are thriving for God's word? But when you come to America, it's like, oh, you eat garbage? Oh, that's like leftovers, for example. Right. You know, people are like, why do you eat leftovers? Or why don't we throw gar food away? Yeah. No, that's, see, it's that whole different perspective of God. You yeah. know, America's become more complacent on knowing God. And like, oh, well, we're going to know God because we're in a hard time, you know, but then we're not going to be reliant on yeah, it. Yeah, the, the hard time is certainly different than the hard time you're describing. Yes. Uh, for yourself in Very, Russia. Yeah. Uh, when I, we in the United States of America talk about hard time, we talk about gas prices going up. Yes. And how inconvenient it is for us to have to spend more of our money, not on our pleasure, but on, you know, needing to drive or something. And, you know, I understand that my wife right now and I are involved where she has to travel every day to go to get um, radiation for cancer. I understand how this can bite into your wallet. I understand that. However, I want to let you, I'm not complaining. Mm -hmm. We have gas, we have a car, and we can get to these places. I think we're still privileged in many respects. Do I think we're suffering? No. I think that the world is suffering from godlessness. Yeah. And that's why I spend time doing what I'm doing. That's all. I just know that if Vladimir Putin and Joe Biden... I don't even know the head of Ukraine. I'm uh, sorry. President Zelensky. Yeah, if, if you said it and I recognized it, I just couldn't remember his name. Oh. Um, if they would all understand their sinful condition and respond to God, they wouldn't be throwing bombs at each other. No. They wouldn't be scheming to try and hurt one another. They wouldn't be trying to destroy each other's economies. I understand that. But in the, in the scope of things, I'm, I hope that Christians around the United States can stop throwing their social media power around getting angry and doing things that say you should do this, you should do that. You know, what we need to do is personally, I personally need to love God and walk with him. That's what I need to do. And I need to respond to what God puts on my heart mm -hmm. to do what's right. I, I will always condemn the bombing of innocent people. I don't care what border they're behind. Mm -hmm. there, there are people that are going to suffer irrevocably in life because of the sin of leadership and because of the sin of of others. Mm -hmm. And you might say, well, that's not right. Well, that's what happens. When you sin, you, you actually hurt other people in the process. Mm -hmm. And all of the people, I want to assure that every, everyone that's making decisions that is hurting innocent people, one day they too will die. Yep. And they will stand before God. And if, if they cause the innocent, you know, the harm that is irrevocable like that. They will answer to God, not me. 
And and I, they shouldn't answer to me. I am not God. Mm-hmm. But I want them to prepare for the moment where they will answer to God for their actions. And whether that be uh, killing babies and abortion here, or whether that be killing uh, Ukrainians or killing Russians because of whatever reason, mm-hmm. to me, that's all the same. You're, you're taking your authority and your power and you're authorizing the, the death and the torture of other people. And it's not right. I am not totally against war. If you've ever read my stuff or whatever, I'm, I'm totally for defending yourself. Yeah. I, mean, I think that, that there's biblical precedent for defending yourself. I also think we always need to care for those innocent people. And um, right now, that's my concern for your home country and for your neighbors in Ukraine mm-hmm. and for anywhere, Georgia or wherever. It's it's like, oh, my goodness. Because when, you know, <clears throat> when people like when I came when I first came to America, it was documented you know, of what war does, what war actually does to a person, it psychologically changes them. Yes, absolutely. Um, Because when I was a little kid, when I was a little kid in Bend, Oregon, uh, and I I would see a police officer, I would duck underneath the table, and I would run the other direction. Right. That's what war does to you. And, you know, I pray that, you know, not only do the, and, you know, I'm continuing prayer on this, you know, um, even um, for my followers and stuff, I continue to pray and say, you know what? We not only need to pray for both sides, but we need to pray that God can intercede and work through it. You know, how is it that how is it that we have martyrs in Russia that are coming in smuggling Bibles in? In this day and age, we should not have people smuggling in Bibles, but because we live in a sinful world, we have. I mean, because of the religion, I mean, Christianity is. Uh, is very hard to come by in Russia. And somebody told me that uh, Putin is one of the best. Uh, it was one of the, I think, yeah, somebody told me that Putin is like a, str- a man of God. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I, he's far from it. Yeah. When you kill your own people and when you have Hitler war camps, pretended he was a man of God, too. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure President Zelensky did, too. Yeah, I'm just saying, I, you know what? This destruction of innocent life does not portray mm. God's heart. No. And it's. And when you, whenever you have people that are thriving and wanting God's word to come in, that means it's that that means there is a nation that needs God, and we all need God in our lives. Right. Absolutely. You know, it's amazing to me. You know, Sas. I know that um, your emotions will go all, all over the place. Uh, you're wired that way anyway. You're kind of uh, somebody who gets into politics and gets into you know, different things. And maybe we should talk more in future on, on just politics and the United States and oh, some boy. of those kinds of things. But, yeah. you know, I, I know that my encouragement to you and every person that listens is let's be people that first and foremost are in a right relationship with God. Let's know who he is and let's respond to him because God knows what to do to end the conflict. Mm-hmm. He does. I don't know. I'm Dave. I'm not God. And I'm here in northern Wisconsin. I don't, I don't know what to do. However, I do know that God loves us, and if we will come to him, and, and if we will seek him, we'll find him, and he can heal nations. Mm-hmm. He can actually do that, but he's never going to heal a nation through legislative operation. He's not going to heal a nation through dictatorships and bombs. Nuclear weapons are not going to heal a nation. Only God can do that, and we need to put God back on the throne in the place he's supposed to be. And in the future, watch what he does to, to allow us to be in a position 
to actually help the world rather than harm the world. Now, I know the world's going to end one day and God's going to rule anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe we're being ushered into that. I have no idea. And we can talk more about that at another time. You've been listening to Younger Older. And I'm Dave. I'm with Sass. We're coming to you from Silver Birch Ranch and uh, on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. Goodbye for now. <laughs>